The Making of a Nation, The Beginnings of Israel's History by Charles Foster Kent, Chapter 6, Part 1. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Making of a Nation by Charles Foster Kent, Chapter 6, Part 1. The Power of Ambition, Jacob the Persistent. Genesis 28, 10-33, Parallel Readings, Historical Bible 1, 101-21, Hastings Dictionary of the Bible 2, 526-535, Principles of Politics, Chapter 2. Now as the boys grew, Esau became a skillful hunter, but Jacob was a quiet man, a dweller in tents, and Isaac loved Esau, for he had a taste for game, and Rebekah loved Jacob. Once, when Jacob was preparing a stew, Esau came in from the field, and he was faint. Therefore Esau said to Jacob, Let me eat quickly, I pray, some of that red food for I am faint. Therefore his name was called Edom, Red. But Jacob said, Sell me first of all your birthright. And Esau replied, Alas, I am nearly dead. Therefore of what use is this birthright to me? And Jacob said, Swear to me first. So he swore to him, and sold his birthright to Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau bread and stewed lentils, and when he had eaten and drank, he rose up and went his way. Thus Esau despised his birthright. Historical Bible Charles Darwin, when asked for the secret of his success, said, It's dogged as does it. Oh, well for him, whose will is strong. He suffers, but he will not suffer long. He suffers but he cannot suffer wrong. For him nor moves the loud world's random mock, nor all calamity's hugest waves confound, who seems a promontory of rock, that, compassed round with turbulent sound, in middle ocean meets the surging shock, tempest buffeted, but citadel crowned. Tennyson Life is comic or pitiful, as soon as the high ends of being fade out of sight and man becomes nearsighted and can only attend to what addresses the senses emerson who rises every time he falls will some time rise to stay one the two brothers jacob and esau south of the dead sea bounded by the rocky desert on the east and the hot barren araba on the west extends the wild picturesque range of mount seir it is a land of lofty heights and deep almost inaccessible valleys the home of the hunter and the nomad from a few copious springs there issue clear refreshing brooks which run rippling through the deep ravines but soon lose themselves in their hot gravelly beds a few miles further on they emerge and again disappear as they approach the borders of the hot thirsty wilderness that surrounds mount seir on every side here in early times lived the edomites a nomadic people who established themselves in this borderland of palestine long before the hebrews gained a permanent foothold in the land of canaan the name edom 
is found in an inscription of a king of the eighth egyptian dynasty in the biblical narrative esau evidently is the traditional ancestor of the edomites even as jacob figures as the father of the twelve tribes one of the aims of these narratives it seems to many scholars is to explain why the israelites the younger people who settled latest in palestine ultimately possessed the land and conquered the edomites the portraits of esau and jacob are remarkably true to the characteristics of these two rival nations they are also faithful to human nature as we find it to-day of these two brothers which on the whole is the more attractive which resembles his father and which his mother read the accounts of their lives genesis twenty four through twenty seven what noble virtues does esau possess what was his great fault reckless men or drifters with generous impulses but with no definite purpose of whom gypsies and hoboes are extreme types are found in every age and society why is it that men of the type of esau so often in time become criminals two the man with a wrong ambition the modern tendency to idealize the character of jacob simply because he was one of the famous patriarchs is both unfortunate and misleading although he vividly typifies certain characteristics of his race the jacob of these early prophetic accounts is portrayed with absolute fidelity and realism his faults are revealed even more clearly than his virtues the dominant motive in his life is ambition but it is a thoroughly selfish ambition in the light of the stories state in your own words what was the exact nature of jacob's ambition how did it differ from that of abraham what methods did he use to achieve his ambition were these methods justifiable what is your view of the statement the end justifies the means try to define exactly the method of determining justifiable means may jacob's action be excused because he was acting under the direction of his mother does a man with a selfish ambition always injure others does he in the end injure himself most of all how every type of selfishness is directly opposed to a man's highest self-interest jesus continually had this large truth in mind when he declared he that findeth his life shall lose it but he that loseth his life for my sake shall find it jesus himself illustrated this principle cite other illustrations from history from your own observation or experience was jacob even with his wrong ambition a stronger and more promising character than his brother esau why would you rather have your son a boy of strong character with vicious tendency or a weakling with harmless virtuous inclinations three jacob's training in the school of experience jacob's experiences as a fugitive well illustrate the homely proverb the way of the transgressor is hard he who deceived and cheated his brother soon became the victim of deception and fraud most painful of all was the ever-haunting sense of fear because of the consequences of his wrong acts that followed him even in his life as an exile and like a specter confronted him as he returned again to the scenes of his boyhood these painful experiences were probably essential to the development of jacob's character 
Are there any other ways in which men of this type can be led to appreciate that their ambitions are wrong? Was Laban any more unjust or tricky in his dealing with Jacob than Jacob had been with Esau, or than Jacob was with Laban? Note the grim humor running through these stories. They are the type of stories that would be especially appreciated when told by shepherds beside the campfire. The most significant point in these stories is that they declare that Jehovah's care and guidance followed the selfish deceiver even as he fled the consequences of his own misdeeds. Why should that divine care shield him from the consequences of his misdeeds? Do we find such instances today? How do you explain them? What is the meaning of the story of Jacob's vision at Bethel? What promising elements did Jehovah find in Jacob's character? What practical lessons did Jacob learn during his sojourn in Aram? Was Jacob really a hypocrite, or did he in fact fail to see any inconsistency between his trickery and meanness and his worship of Jehovah? A man may be sincere in his religious worship on Sunday and yet cheat a neighbor on Monday. Analyze carefully the nature of his religion. End of chapter 6 Part 1 Recording by Selena Arder